0: let me just say a personal note if I can before we begin this will sound a little corny I don't want it to I mean this in all sincerity I want to thank you for the way you have so overwhelmingly accepted me and my family this year you have no idea how much it means to me and to them you have allowed me the privilege and I count it as a privilege i mean that from the bottom of my heart you have allowed me the privilege of being more than a faculty member to you you have allowed me the privilege of being a personal friend, and it is a thrill for me to be able to wake up every morning of my life and i can't wait to jump in a shower put some clothes on get in the car and come down here because it doesn't feel like i'm going to work it feels like i'm going to spend a day with the people i love the most and my wife feels that way my son feels that way and my dog sarah Feels that way, and it's the little things you do. You know, it's it's letting me um, at nine o'clock at night walk into the lounge up in Hotchkiss, and nobody ever says, "What's he doing here?" He's faculty. You know that kind of a deal. It's oh, Dewey's here, Becky's here, David's here, Sarah the dog is here. You know, um, it's you men allowing my son and I to plop down on a bed in your room and just rap with you or play computer baseball with you. It's you coming up to me in the dining hall and inviting me to have lunch with you. And that means more to me than honestly you will ever know. And I guess just to put it into a sentence, let me say on behalf of my family and on behalf of myself, thank you for allowing me the awesome privilege and the undeserved privilege of being your friend. It means the world to me. and i also want to say a special thank you to those who serve with me on the staff uh... reaching out to the high schools in the santa clarita valley i know and i don't get around to all of you to express it. i know you are making a very special sacrifice to help out with that i know you have a lot of homework and a lot of other commitments and you've turned down other things you couldn't be you could be involved in one girl in particular who could play basketball here but decided to sacrifice that so that she could be a part of reaching high school students and it's paying off Last week a girl came and received Christ last night. She brought her brother. He prayed to receive Christ We're seeing God beginning to move and I just want to thank you for the the sacrifice of your time Turn to Hebrews chapter 12 if you would And let me share with you this morning from my heart Kind of a gut to gut kind of a talk What do you think of the new pulpit by the way in this slick our own guys made this isn't that great? It's fun to be able to break it in Hebrews chapter 12 when I was a student here I graduated from this fine school in nineteen let me think 1974 and during the years that I was here I made a fatal fatal mistake I hope you are not making the same mistake that I made I allowed certain emotions to kind of flood my system and it had a damaging effect upon me I hope that this has not happened to any of you Hebrews chapter 12 I'm going to read to you verses 14 and 15 and in honor of the Word of God if you would stand please Hebrews chapter 12 beginning at verse 14 and verse 15 reading from the New American Standard Bible it's one of these exhortive kind of verses Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Sanctification simply means a pure life. So, pursue peace with all men, human relationships, and a pure life, a divine relationship. Be at peace with men and at peace with God. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. That no root of bitterness, bitterness, springing up, Causes trouble and by it many be defiled. See to it that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. Let's bow together in prayer and we're going to talk this morning about the battle over bitterness. Thank you Father for each one here and the privilege that we have of coming to the Word of God and finding the answers for the deepest needs of every one of our hearts. And Father, I know in a group this size there are those who are battling with the problem of bitterness. There are those, Father, who know the reality day by day of having that revengeful, hateful spirit flowing through their veins. And we pray that for them this morning, deliverance might become a reality and healing will flood our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let me ask you a question, and I want you to be honest. I'm going to be transparent up here today with you. I want you to be transparent with me. How many of you have ever had anyone deeply deeply hurt or offend you can I see your hands that is an overwhelming sight. I have asked that question probably 25 or 30 times of different groups of people as young and in age as 11 years old and without exception every time I ask that question I get the identical response it is amazing to me at our young age that so many of us have experienced the heart-wrenching reality of someone deeply hurting or offending us but it is nearly universal and if it has happened to you then the stage is set to allowing a root of bitterness springing up in you bitterness a revengeful spirit bitterness an attitude that we harbor in our hearts a secret desire to get even a tightening of the jaw, a mind flooded with hateful thoughts, bitterness. I took out a medical book and did some research on the topic and found out that bitterness can create overwhelmingly devastating and damaging consequences to your system and mind. When God put our bodies together, he did not give us the ability or the capability of handling bitterness. It is a poison in your system, as real as um, putting Drano in a drain. It will absolutely eat your gut out. Let me tell you what I found. Not a pretty picture. How does bitterness affect you? Well, first of all, it will affect you and me physically. Physically. It will create a chemical imbalance. Throw our system completely off balance. It could create, and you're ready for this, ulcerative colitis. How about that? Toxic goiters Now I can see some preacher going to town on that one, right? Lurking through the tall weeds of your sin-sick heart this morning Toxic goiters You know what I mean? Now I tried to look that up Toxic goiters Do we have any nurses here? I mean, we want to be accurate Any nurses? Well, then I'll tell you what it is Toxic goiters The word toxic means deadly You'll be impressed with my medical knowledge Overwhelmed? you don't need to give me a standing ovation but you will be impressed toxic means something that is deadly a goiter is a medical problem so a toxic goiter is a deadly medical problem is that something right high blood pressure loss of sleep fatigue facial features can be affected The lines of resentment can be etched into your eyes and into your face. I remember vividly this summer meeting a woman. I thought, honest, I thought she was 80 years old and found out that she was 42 years old. Her face looked like someone took an aerial view of the Grand Canyon. You know what I mean? It's true. I mean, it's embarrassing when you walk up to a 42-year-old woman and ask her, um, what was it like the first time you saw Halley's Comet? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's embarrassing. I didn't know. What was the stock market crash really like? You know what I'm saying? Um, was Lincoln as good a guy as we thought? I mean, that's kind of rough. 42 years old. I don't know what she went through in life. She was completely gray. I mean, her hair was completely gray, you know? And I don't know what she'd been through in life, but it had been something pretty serious, I would imagine. Premature aging. It can affect your bone health. Your bones are the factory of your blood, the bone marrow. And that's why it says in Proverbs 17, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. It will affect you physically. Bitterness will affect you spiritually. It could create an inability to love God. An inability to love God. Bitterness floats. It begins by responding toward a person. But that bitterness To which you have attached the name of a person can float on God himself because in your subconscious you realize that God allowed the situation to take place. It says in 1 John chapter 4 verse 21 that if you do not love your brother whom you see, how can you love God whom you cannot see? It could cause an inability to love God. It could create doubts about your own salvation. How many of you have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Can I see your hand? Ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? When you prayed that prayer, you prayed this. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. If you have prayed that, then you have lodged it on the floppy disk of your subconscious mind. That if you are unwilling to forgive someone else, maybe God is unwilling at that point to forgive you. Forgive me as I forgive others, right? Doubts about salvation it could hinder you in having a positive influence on others first corinthians 11:1, paul said as I follow christ You follow my example, but a person who hates another person is no example to be followed at all An inability to have a positive influence on others it can affect you emotionally Prolonged bitterness could create ongoing depression because your emotional energy is drained It saps your emotions of strength just like running a long-distance cross-country run will sap your body of strength It will affect you mentally When you hate someone your mind is captivated by that person and you think about that person all the time One writer put it this way the moment. I start hating a man. I become his slave I can't enjoy my work anymore because he controls my thoughts my resentments produce too many stress hormones in my body and I become fatigued after only a few hours of work the work I formerly enjoyed is now drudgery even vacation cease to give me pleasure I cannot escape his tyrannical grasp on my mind when I am in a restaurant and the waiter serves me porterhouse steak it might as well be stale bread and water my teeth chew the food I swallow it but the man I hate will not permit me to enjoy its taste. And that's why Solomon wrote, Proverbs 15, 17, Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. It could defile everyone around you. Hebrews chapter 12, I've read that to you already. A root of bitterness springing up, and by it many be defiled. Have you ever been in the same room... With someone who is always negative, always complaining, always griping. And if you're like me, you don't like to be with those people very long. It defiles everyone around you. And let me tell you the most haunting and frightening consequence of all. Are you ready? If you hate someone, and there's no mystery about it, If you do, their name immediately pops into mind The minute I begin talking about this If you hate that person Deep-seated emotion of bitterness, resentment Given enough time You will become exactly like the person you hate Just like him I have seen it happen many, many times Let me tell you a story I'm not proud of this but it's true. My dad moved out when I was 16. My mom couldn't handle it anymore and divorced him. One week before I got married, my mom, and I have a great relationship with my mom, I love her with all my heart. She didn't do this to be unkind. She did it because she had a love for the woman I was about to marry. And she had lunch with... My fiance, who is now my wife, said, you're going to marry Dewey in a week. I just want to tell you something. She said, I left Dewey's dad many years ago, divorced him, because there were things about his dad I couldn't stand. There were things about his dad I couldn't live with. And I just want you to know, Dewey has every one of those same characteristics. That hit me like a lightning bolt. You know Why? She was right. And I can remember growing up as a teenager and I vowed I will never be like my dad. Never. And over a period of time, I ended up to be just like him. And even now, several years later, I find myself on occasion reacting to a situation in the identical manner my dad would have reacted. I get a flashback. There are times when I respond to my dear wife whom I love with all my heart and my son whom I love with all my heart and yet I will find myself responding to them in the same way my dad responded to my mom and to me and it's the last thing in the world I want to do but my mind clicks into that review mode and it comes up and um, I'm trying to work through it but I had become just like him. God has done an amazing work in my life and he has a long way to go, but I became just like him. The reason is simple. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks within himself, so is he. And when there is someone you hate, you spend a great deal of time thinking about that person. And when you think about that person, you are not thinking about the positive qualities that endear you to the person you hate. You are thinking about the negative qualities that cause you to react. And by thinking about those qualities in a repeatedly... Ongoing manner, it won't be long before you live out exactly what you're thinking All of that to say this If you are battling the problem of bitterness, it is a poison in your system And today I want you to experience deliverance and healing from it The answer is all boiled down really in one word but it is a very common word. It is one of those Christian cliche words. It is one of those pious platitude kind of words. And I'm afraid because it is so familiar to us, we have robbed the word of its meaning. So if you will allow me, let me take the word and amplify it before you. The way to overcome bitterness is to forgive. Forgive. Forgiveness erases bitterness. But what does that word mean? Forgiveness let me give you five definitions it's almost like a diamond and when the light hits the diamond it is refracted into a rainbow of colors and so the word forgiveness is that way it is a rainbow of meaning all of which come together to give you a pretty complete thought so let me give you five definitions and you need all five to make the composite whole I think you'll relate to this what is forgiveness number one forgiveness is wiping the slate clean Wiping the slate clean forgiveness is erasing the record of wrong done to us In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 Paul said be kind to one another tender-hearted Forgiving one another just as God in Christ also has forgiven you How did Jesus Christ forgive me? If he had a blackboard and everything I had ever done to hurt him written down on that blackboard, when I came to Christ, he took a gigantic eraser and wiped the slate clean. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he took my sin and buried it in the what? Deepest seas. He took my sin and separated it from me as far as the what from the what? East from west. You know why it says east from west rather than north from south? If it had said north from south, you can measure that distance. North Pole, South Pole, measure it, finite distance. Everywhere I go, my sin would be following me by that distance. East from West, where does East end and West begin? It is an infinite distance. When the Bible says that God took my sin and separated it from me as far as the East is from the West, that is an infinite distance. It is gone. It is blotted out of his memory. Forgiveness is for me to look the person in the eye who has hurt me the most, and wipe the slate clean. Secondly, forgiveness. Listen, this is important. Forgiveness is having a positive attitude toward the pain of the offense rather than a negative attitude toward the one who hurt me. Having a positive attitude toward the pain of the offense rather than a negative attitude toward the one who hurt me. If anyone. Had the right to be bitter. It was Joseph. Rejected by his brothers. Dropped into a pit. Father told that he was killed. Sold into slavery. Because of a crime he didn't commit when he fled from Potiphar's wife, was locked in prison, forgotten there for years. If anyone had a right to be bitter, it was him. When he was miraculously reunited with his brothers, he could have uttered one word. So great was his power, he could have uttered one word, and their heads would have been immediately chopped off. His brothers were scared to death, cowering in the corner, afraid of his revenge. And when Joseph faced his brothers in that um, tear-jerking reunion that you read about at the end of the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph made a statement that has been etched in concrete ever since. He said to his brothers, You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. A positive attitude toward the offense rather than a negative attitude toward the one who has hurt us. Thirdly, forgiveness views the one who hurts me as a tool in the hand of God to accomplish His purposes in my life. Forgiveness views the person who hurt me stab me in the back Gave me the cheap shot. Forgiveness views Him as a tool in the hand of God to accomplish His purposes in my life. Luke chapter 23, verse 34, Jesus from the cross, praying for those who executed Him said, Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. The very act of murdering the Son of God was the very thing God used to accomplish His purpose and plan. Forgiveness sees those who hurt us as a tool in the hand of God to achieve and accomplish his purposes. Fourth, forgiveness views the pain of the offense, the pain of the offense, as God's way of drawing attention to the offender's needs. Forgiveness uses the pain of offense as God's way of drawing attention to the needs of the one who hurt me. That's why Jesus prayed Luke 23, Father, forgive them. It was the pain of the offense that best revealed the needs in the heart of the people. And if you have ever been the victim of the cheap shot, the person who did that to you has deep unresolved conflicts. Or he never would have done that in the first place. Forgiveness allows the pain of that experience to draw my attention to his needs. And finally, forgiveness... Forgiveness is recognizing Listen carefully That bitterness Is assuming a right That God never gave me Forgiveness is recognizing that bitterness is assuming a right that God never gave me If you are bitter This morning, let me tell you why you're bitter tough pill to swallow, but it's true If you are bitter, you are bitter because you chose to be bitter. And you chose to be bitter because the thinking is that if I cut this person out of my life and secretly seek revenge, that is my way of punishing him and getting even. And God has never given me that right. It hit me like a flash the first time I read it, Romans chapter 12, And verse 19, God said, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And that hit me like a lightning bolt. It suddenly dawned on me, as long as I am bitter, God can't move. But the minute I forgive, I get out of the way and I allow God to come in and wail on his face. Know what I mean? And I would much rather have God wail on his face than me Because God can do a far better job True? So, never take your own revenge But leave room for the wrath of God God is my defense And God can handle anyone who takes a cheap shot at me That is forgiveness Let me stop preaching and just talk to you for a minute, all right? That's all the clinical stuff Let's just talk It would be very easy for you To sit where you're sitting And say to me Talk is cheap Anybody can stand up there And flap their gums for 20 minutes About forgiveness You don't have to walk in my shoes You don't know what that person did to me You don't know how deeply and unfairly He hurt me Easy to define it difficult to do it You're right Can I say this to you? If you're battling bitterness this morning, I know what you're going through Because for seven years of my life a hatred flowed through my veins, so great that I don't even have the words to describe it to you. You are looking to looking at a man who um, hated with a passion, his own father. You see, when I was born, My dad was thrilled that I was a boy because he wanted to raise me to be a professional athlete. I had it drilled into my mind from the time I could understand the words. And it became very apparent that I was not going to live up to his dream. Too small. Too uncoordinated. Too skinny. Didn't have it. And my dad let me know at a very young age that there was no room in his heart for me. I was a failure. I was an embarrassment to him. And he didn't even want to identify me as his son. I had to live with the constant reality of his rejection. Not only that, but I watched him with my own eyes, repeatedly torture and abuse my mother. I have seen my dad take a switchblade, pop the blade, hold it up to her throat in front of my two little sisters and me, and threaten to cut it. I watched my dad in a drunken rage one night walk into their bedroom, take all of her dresses, girls if you can imagine, out of the closet and with a knife cut them one by one. Right in front of my mom. Leaving her with virtually no clothes. He used to come home so drunk that on occasion my mom had to load my two little sisters and me in the back seat of the car and drive us to a motel to spend the night because we were scared to death to be in the same home with him. I can remember very vividly I was about seven years old at the time sitting in the back seat of our car. We were on a family vacation, and my parents began to argue in the front seat of the car. and while my dad was driving down the freeway with the left hand on the steering wheel, took the right hand, grabbed my mom's face and jammed it as hard as he could into the glass window of the door. And I hated that man. Two vows: One: I will never grow up to be like him. Two: give me the chance. And I'll get rid of him Just give me the chance And I can remember getting on my knees and praying God, I don't know where my dad is right now But you know where he is And you've got some lightning bolts up there in heaven And I've heard you're a pretty good shot Just uncork one of those babies and blow him away When I was 16, he moved out Virtually abandoned us My mom had to get a job And so I really lost two parents One to divorce and the other to a job Many nights I had to put my arms around my two little sisters as they convulsed, crying uncontrollably, and try to explain to them what was happening. I wasn't even sure I understood it myself. And I cut that man out of my life. I told myself I would never see that man or talk to that man again. I was going to let him know in no uncertain terms that in my life there was no room for him. And the bitterness that I carried all those years, and I carried them while I was a student here, ate away at me like acid to metal. And it suddenly dawned on me that I had no alternative but to either overcome the problem or let it destroy me. I was a youth pastor at the time. We were having a little retreat up at Pine Summit in Big Bear. Woman drives down the driveway. I hadn't seen my dad in five years. Woman drives down the driveway, asked for Dewey Bertolini. Now there were not too many of those at Pine Summit on that particular weekend. So they were able to find me and um I walked up to the woman, I said, I'm Dewey, who are you? She said, I'm your stepmother. I didn't even know I had one. She said, your dad and I are vacationing in a friend's cabin down the road. I don't know to this day how she knew I was up there. Hadn't seen my dad in five years. She said, your dad wanted to send me to come get you and see if you'd be willing to spend a couple hours with him. What would you do? My entire youth group ran up and surrounded me. They were all watching this little thing going on. I was about to say, hey, lady, and she was a nun, by the way, before she married my dad, if you can imagine. Was married to God, left him and married my dad. That seemed kind of a step down, but that's what she did. And she, um, So she got out of the car, sprinkled me with holy water, and then asked me, you know, would you come see your dad? And I was about to say, lady, get out of my face. I'm not interested. When my youth group ran up, I was trapped. I got into the car, and for the first time in five years, I was reunited with that man. And I want you to know that that was the starting point of a rebuilding of a relationship that I thought was hopelessly and forever shattered. God allowed me over the next several weeks and months to completely transform that bitterness into an attitude of love for my father. And I want you to know that God rebuilt over a period of several years a relationship That resulted in my dad and I becoming closer than any father or son could possibly become. God did a total healing in my life. Never changed my dad. Changed me. And what I'm about to tell you as we close are the four steps that God took me through in overcoming the problem of bitterness. Four steps. Number one, and it begins here this one is vitally important and this is the step i'm asking you to take this morning number one you have to be willing you have to be willing matthew chapter eighteen and verse twenty-one matthew chapter 18, 21. peter ran up to christ one day and said lord how many times do i have to forgive this guy i mean come on jesus enough is enough isn't seven times enough this guy's knifed me seven times isn't that enough jesus said peter not seven times but Seventy times seven That doesn't mean that you mark 490 checks on a page and check them off And when you hit 490 you're through That was a purposeful exaggeration Hyperbole it's called in English That was an exaggeration to make a point You never stop forgiving You have to be willing and it begins right there because some of you like many young people with whom I have spoken over the years Some of you had the same attitude I had you fold your hands and you say forget it. No way am I going to forgive that guy not until he changes Not until he asks me to me forgive him. You got to be crazy. I'd rather die than do that. And you know what? You will if you don't You will die if you don't forgive You have to be willing. There is no uh, footnote on that verse. There's no asterisk. It doesn't say that you forgive up to 70 times 7 if, footnote, he asks for it, if he changes, you forgive. You have to be willing. It began when I got into the back seat of that woman's car. It began when I walked up the steps into that cabin, saw my dad for the first time in five years, and when he reached out a hand to shake mine, I had to make a choice. I could have cursed him to his face, turned a 180, and walked out. But I reached out a trembling hand and grasped his. I had to be willing. So do you. Number two. Number two. I made a lift. I wrote down on paper, literally, took paper and pen, and I made a list of everything my dad did to hurt me. Everything I could remember. Wrote it all down. One time we were watching a softball game. He was really livid. He took me to the park to watch a softball game and for two hours berated me. Why can't you play like they play? Why can't you catch the way they catch? And at the end of that humiliation, the stands were full, and he was shouting at the top of his voice, just whittling me down to size, every single sentence, like a machete hacking me. And at the end of that two-hour barrage, he said to me, and I never forgot, it burned into my brain, and I'll carry it to my grave. He said, Dewey, I wonder if you will ever grow up to be a man. I wrote that down. Four pages of stuff. Single-spaced elite type, you know what I mean? wrote it all down got out another sheet of paper on that paper I wrote down everything I had ever done to hurt God everything I had ever done to hurt God you know the first time I ever said the name Jesus Christ I was five years old it was in my backyard I had dropped a two-by-four on my foot and in response to that I said Jesus Christ and my dad was in the backyard walked up to me after that took the back of his hand slapped me across the face so don't you ever say that again And when I was five years old, I looked up at him. I had blood coming out of the corner of my mouth because he struck me so hard. And I thought to myself, I can't remember my five-year-old vocabulary, but it was something like this. You hypocritical idiot. Where do you think I learned that? First time I ever said his name, it was a swear word. I wrote that down. Everything I could remember that I had done to hurt God, I wrote it down. Then I read Matthew chapter 18, a parable that Jesus Let me read it to you, I think you'll get the point Peter said, how often do I have to forgive my brother? Seven times? Jesus said I do not say to you up to seven times But up to seventy times seven For this reason The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king Who wished to settle accounts with his slaves This is a dramatic story And when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. Translation, that equals somewhere around 10 million dollars in today's reckoning. This guy owes this king 10 million dollars. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had in repayment to be made. And the slave, therefore, falling down, prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him of a debt of how much? Ten what? Million dollars. That same slave went out and found a fellow slave who owed him a hundred denarii. Eighteen bucks. Eighteen dollars. Eighteen dollars. Grabbed him, choked him, said, pay back what you owe. The fellow slave fell down and said, have patience with me and I will repay you. He was unwilling, however. That wicked slave, forgiven of a $10 million debt, took his fellow slave, owed him $18, had him thrown in prison. The king found out about it. Summoned him. Said to him, you wicked slave. I forgave you of ten million dollars because you begged me, should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And that Lord took his servant and had him cast with anger into prison, turned him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. And here's the punchline, verse 35. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Obvious, isn't it? the list of stuff my dad did to hurt me it's about eighteen dollars worth the list of stuff i had done to hurt god ten million dollars i mean it's one thing for a man to hurt a man it's another thing for a mere creature to hurt the one who created him that is that is unbelievable that is unconscionable and if god was willing to take my list ten million dollars worth and tear it up and bury it could i not take the list of things my dad did to hurt me Tear it up. And so step number three. I took that list. Four pages long. Single spaced. Elite type. Of everything my dad did to hurt me. Tore it up. Symbolic of the fact that I would no longer hold it against him. Symbolic of the fact that I attached new meaning to that list every one of those items on that list was not a Premeditated way for my dad to get even with me It was merely a revelation of deep-seated unresolved conflict in his own life that I hadn't begun to meet And then step number four And this one is so important. I made one more list a third list and on that list I wrote down every, listen, every positive benefit that came into my life because God gave me the father he did. I used to curse God. Why did you give me the father you did? Then it dawned on me. He meant it for evil. My dad meant it for evil. God meant it for good. If God allowed me to have that father, there must be a reason for it. And so I wrote down on paper every positive benefit I could think of that came into my life because God gave me the father he did. That's the basis of First Thessalonians 5:18, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you. And a thankful heart comes when you realize positive benefit. Would you like to hear my list? Would you? Let me see your hands if you would, would you? I don't want to waste your time. Well let me tell you something. I'm not going to read to you my list. Because what I went through with my father really is fairly typical. It's fairly common. A lot of people have abusive parents. There was a girl in my youth group who experienced what I believe to be the most horrible of possible human experiences. 18 years old and she was raped. Over to a friend's house, got into her car. To come home, heard a twig snap, turned around because she was startled. Guy put a knife to her throat, threw her in the back of a van, drove her off to a deserted lot for five hours, repeatedly raped her. Drove her back into Burbank, dumped her out on the city streets like a piece of wadded up trash and drove off. And she completely fell apart. She would not meet with me for three days. Finally, I was able to meet with her first words out of her mouth. You lied to me. You told me God is a God of love and forgiveness and if He is so loving and if He is so powerful, how could a God of love do this to me? After I calmed her down, I challenged her to make a list of all of the positive benefit that came to her life because she got raped. She laughed me to my face. You fairy tale Christians! Positive benefit because I got raped? You're out of your mind. What do you know? You've never been raped. I said, write the list. One week later, she came back with a list of 28 items. I don't have time to read them all. My time is about gone. Let me highlight a couple. Positive benefit that came to her life because God allowed her to be raped. You ready? Number one. She said, God protected my life. I could have been killed that night but God protected me. Number two, she was fighting an illness. She had some kind of of an illness and she was on a heavy dosage of penicillin. Her body was flooded with it. And because of that, the doctors told her there was no possibility of contracting a venereal disease. Thank you, God, for that. Third, I didn't get pregnant. Could have, but I didn't. Thank you for that. And number four, I had to ask myself, what would I do if I am pregnant? Is abortion an option? And she said to me, Dewey, I can't abort that child, even if it's conceived because of rape. I cannot kill what God created, and so I thank God that He allowed me to have a conviction tested. And I was able to stand true to the test. Number five, she said, I'm scared to death of men now, and I thank God for that. Because when I meet the man God wants me to marry, He will confirm that because there will be no fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And now there will be no mystery about it when I meet the man I am to marry. God will use that to confirm it in my heart, and I'm thankful for that. She said, I'm thankful because God has opened up my influence to many, many girls whose lives I would not be able to affect in any other way. Did you know that one-fourth of all teenage girls will be some in some way sexually molested before the age of 18. And so she said to me, God has opened up my influence to one out of four teenage girls across America with a credible message that Jesus Christ can meet even that need in your life. Thank you, God, for that. Then she said the doctor in the emergency room that night was a Christian and I needed more than a physical healing I needed an emotional and spiritual one and God provided that And then she said it reinforced in me the need to obey my parents because my parents told me not to go that night It was really mysterious She said my mom begged me don't go to your friend's house tonight We don't know why we don't think you should go and she said I'm 18 years old I'm of age I can go if I want and I walked out in defiance against my parents And this girl said to me I will never disobey authority again Thank God for that And then the newspaper, in a very tactless and tasteless way, covered the story in all of its gross detail on the front page. But in the story, it had the fact of her Christian commitment and the fact that Jesus Christ got her through it, and that went into thousands of homes throughout the city. Thank you, God, for that. And the greatest one of all, and she had it in big block letters with stars around it, Thank you, God, I am still a virgin. Because she said, I learned something about purity that day. Nobody can take my purity away from me. My purity can only be given away. I'm still a virgin. No madman, no sexual pervert can take that from me. I am as pure as if it never happened. Thank you, God, for that. Bow with me in prayer.